Hi, this is Pamela from CV Secrets. And if you want to improve your communication skills, you need to be listening to the Art of Communication podcast with Greg Rice. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. What's up, guys? Today I'm talking to Pam Ella Pritchard. Pam is the founder of CV Secrets, which is a career coaching firm that helps its clients uncover and acquire the jobs of their dreams. And we got into lots of different and interesting topics, uh, like how to uncover what your true passions actually are, right? So many of us don't know what we want to be when we grow up, including myself from day to day. So how do we uncover that? And then how do we begin to pave the way to roles in that space? We talked about the problem with the approach to recruiting at many companies today and how to overcome that problem from a, um, uh, an applicant standpoint. And we talked about how to win at resume writing, interviewing, and salary negotiation. So a lot of great tips and value in there as well. So if you're considering looking for a new role or taking that next step up the career ladder, this episode is definitely going to be a good one for you. Pam, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Uh, I'm really excited to have you on today. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of great stuff we're going to chat about on uh, about how folks can better realize their dreams from a career perspective, um, how they can network to get there, how what approaches they can take to find the jobs of their dreams. So uh, excited to dive into that with you. First, I'd just love to hear a little bit about what you're doing at CV Secrets and your journey to getting there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, CV Secrets is a bit of a baby, still kind of new, but it's something that's organically been growing for nearly six months now, but it's a decade of experience that kind of brought me here. I have a background in human resources, in-house recruitment, agency recruitment. I'm now in sales and account management, but within the HR sphere. So I never really leave that side behind. And despite all of the jobs that I did, the thing that I loved and always was the best part of my job was really the human connections that I had with the individuals that I would ultimately end up supporting in their job search, whether or not they ended up securing a role through me. It was always the career development and the personal development that came out of it that really stood out. Career change, job change, it's a tough part for most people. It's a very turbulent time for people. People don't like change and people don't like uncertainty. And so working with people that are going through that transition, whether it's their choice or not, there's always, it's a very vulnerable time. And I really valued in the various roles that I've had, the capacity that I've been able to connect with individuals and help them on that, on that journey. And so CV Secrets came about because I moved away from a job that meant I could do it every day to pursue a different career. And with the state of the economy, with everything that's going on, and just through word of mouth, a lot of people were still approaching me for this kind of support. And realizing I loved it, I decided to create CV Secrets. Um, Because, you know, the people would say to me, what's the secret to finding your dream job? What's the secret to getting your perfect career? What's the secret to the, a great CV that gets you noticed? And 
And, you know, I have a couple of secrets. I obviously won't share everything today, but the reality is, is that it's possible. To have the life and the career of your dreams is absolutely possible, but it takes that career or that journey of personal development to get there. And so it's been an absolute joy to create this. And that's, I guess, what brings me here today. Yeah, no, that's great. So what kinds of things do you do for your clients? So overarchingly, it's career coaching. Um, I also provide services. So services would include things like CV review, CV writing, working with them for really practical interview preparation, salary negotiation support. But then outside of that kind of consultancy or mentoring approach, I also do the career coaching side, which is very much working with my with my clients to help them understand what it is that they actually want. What, what is it that really sets them, you know, turns them on when they think about their career and what they're good at and what they can give back to the world and how to take the steps that are going to be best for them to get there. So the career coaching aspect is really identifying what the goal is, overcoming all of those challenges, the fears, the procrastination, the anxiety that people go through when when you face this kind of change, even if it's for the for the greater good, for their own for their own betterment mm-hmm. and help them on that journey. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, it's hard for any of us to know what we want to be when we grow up, even when we are quite grown up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I never feel like I'm quite sure on that either. Right. It changes all the time, all the time. So, yeah. No, I think that's a great mission, though. And I'm sure it's very fulfilling to see folks, uh, you know, get to a place where they really love what they're doing when they haven't been there most of their lives. Yeah. So I know that when you worked in recruiting, you kind of had some issues with the, the, the typical approach, right? So tell me a little bit about from that side of things, what were the biggest challenges from your perspective when you were on the recruiting side? Yeah, it's a really good question. The thing that gets me about the economy is that a lot of organizations, when they're looking to hire, they have a very specific idea as to what it is they want in that person. And that can be led from a number of different things. It can be from the person that was previously in that role. It can be led from who they are and what their perception of what effective or successful would look like. And it therefore meant that for a candidate to be seen, you really had to be kind of a square peg for a square hole. And the reality is that not only do individuals come in all shapes and sizes with all sorts of different career experience and backgrounds, which meant you were never really going to get a perfectly square peg to fit this square hole of a vacancy. But there is a lot of... Uh, limits to to how much employers are really willing to think outside the box and the issue the issue there you know it hits people on a personal level when they struggle to do especially through uh, career transitions where you really want to change the career path that you're on but even sometimes moving up if you haven't been in management and you want to get into management, yet until you get that experience, you're never going to get the experience. It's a, it's yeah. a horrible chicken and egg situation. That was the problem that I had with a lot of employers. Sometimes you'd speak to a hiring manager and there's sometimes a very big disconnect between the brand and the value proposition that that organization likes to put out there. Um, mm-hmm. It might be that we're diverse. It might be that we are interested to hear from people with different experience and backgrounds and yet when it comes to that hiring process and that individual hiring manager is reviewing that one application unless it has exactly what they think they need they don't see anything else 
and it limits people and it also limits the growth of that organization because innovation doesn't happen with what you're already familiar with because if what you're familiar with was working you wouldn't need to innovate and so you need to constantly be thinking outside the box bringing in new skills bringing in people that maybe don't look or feel like you but can bring so much to that organization and i definitely think examples of what's happening with the BLM movement and in the last couple of decades about bringing more women into leadership positions mm-hmm. they are excellent examples of where it's proven that when you push the boundaries of what you think a square peg should look like and actually throw that out the window and bring somebody that doesn't fit any of the molds that you think you need there is potential there to not only increase profits but to create an organization that is an incredible place to work so for me yeah that was a very long answer but that is the problem with traditional recruitment it fails sometimes to remember the value that can be had in thinking outside the box and bringing in something that you weren't necessarily expecting would fit that mold of what you were looking for yeah, it's a couple a couple thoughts there. One is I found kind of the bigger the organization, sometimes the narrower that that hole that you're trying to fit in, right? Um, it's just they're very very specific about the kind of person that they want. And you're right, there's a ton of value in diversity, but it's harder and harder for a diverse population to even get an opportunity to get to the interview. Um, I interviewed Dr. Funke Abambola, who interestingly is also from the UK. She's Nigerian of descent. And she went to all the best schools, right? But had a very African sounding name. So sent out 100, 150 resumes, no response. You know, she had to pick up the phone and call like 100 presidents of law firms to be able to just get one interview, right? Mm -hmm. To just get in the door. And since then, she's really dedicated herself to trying to balance the scale somewhat and and help both minorities, but also women to uh, both get in their foot in the door from a legal or really professional perspective and then find leadership positions as well or grow to leadership positions. So it's definitely a challenge that I think the corporate world is still working on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's been studies that have proven. I read one literally um, two weeks ago about a study where a Dave and a Mohammed had their, they replicated a CV. It was an experiment done by the BBC. They replicated the CV. So it was just a a fake CV, I guess. But yeah, they sent it out to 100 different employers and the response rate, I can't remember the specific statistics, but it was significantly different. The amount of responses that the Dave got over the Mohammed and it's quite frankly, it's disgusting. But that is Mm -hmm. one of the challenges with unconscious bias that Mm -hmm. uh, the recruitment world and talent acquisition especially really are, they are starting to acknowledge it. The training is pretty standard across most large organizations, but the realities of that aren't quite showing in the statistics of the amount of people that are coming into these uh, positions of senior seniority leadership, um, especially when you're looking at the BAME community or uh, women. But it's something that I think we're addressing, and especially in the last couple of weeks, are being laid out on the table. Um, so hopefully it's making a move uh, to the better. Yeah, I think step one is becoming aware of it and making folks aware of it, especially those folks in decision-making places. But step two is how do you mitigate it a little bit, right? How do you get folks to see the uniqueness and value of the individual outside of race or sex or gender or anything like that, right? And that's that's a lot harder to do, I think. So it's it's definitely a fascinating thing that I've been thinking more about lately. But from your perspective, you obviously are not in a role now where you can influence the recruiting side of the house, right? You can't influence how corporations are doing that, but you can influence who you're working with. So how 
What are your, I guess, tips or guidance to someone who might be a minority or a woman looking to get in the leadership role for them to be able to stand out and get noticed? So be a little different, but then also still fit in that mold they have to fit into to be considered, right? It's a difficult balance, I think. Right. Well, that's an incredible question. I think it starts off with you. You have to have that ambition. And again, chicken and egg is it's been spoken about so much lately that unless you see that it's possible for a lot of people, they don't realize that that's an option for them. And there's so many firsts still happening in the world today, but it doesn't mean that it isn't a possibility. So the one thing I would implore for anybody listening to this is that no matter how crazy that dream is, no matter how unrealistic it might seem, why not be the first? If you can imagine it, then it's possible. You don't have to have seen it happen by someone else to realize that it can become a reality. Because there was a first time for everything and it could be you. So my first piece of advice is have that ambition and don't be afraid to go for it. Because that, for most people, is the scariest thing. It's like acknowledging what they truly want and breaking away from the expectations that your family have on you, that the society has on you, that your friends have on you as to what career path you should be doing. And a really simple example is, is you know, coming from a, a home of medics, of people that have worked in various capacities for the NHS. And going, maybe I don't want to be a doctor. Maybe I don't want to go into medicine. Maybe I want to work in the arts. And coming from a family that might be very academically focused, that kind of different angle in what you want, it's hard to break away from that. But regardless of your of your gender, of your um, of your nationality, the key is to acknowledge within yourself who you truly want to be. If you could be anything what would it be? If you can answer that question, you're ahead of so many other people. Once you've identified that, it's then about understanding what it would be to take there, creating a roadmap and actually acknowledging, okay, I want to be a pilot. What does that mean for me? What kind of education does that look like? What are the actual things that I would need, regardless of all of the characteristics? What would it actually take for anybody in principle on paper to get there? so that you have a clear roadmap, then it's a case of taking each of those obstacles and overcoming them. And then on that journey is then the personal brand and being ready to step into the person that you want to be. Nobody else can do that for you. And building your personal brand is so important. And it comes down to how you apply yourself to the education that you might need to get there, how you apply yourself to to your work, the personal brand that you create with how you speak to and communicate with other people and the person that you present yourself as on social media or on LinkedIn or in your CV. A lot of people really miss that part. They just write a profile or a LinkedIn page um, or they speak to people when you're at the barbecue or at the pub saying, oh, so what do you do? And people are like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I just have a standard office job. Like, actually, that's the opportunity to say, well, at the moment, I'm working in an office job. It doesn't light me on fire. But did you know, I'm actually studying to become a pilot. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, what a story or whatever it is that you want to be. Like, own your story because people will always talk about you. People will always have a perception of you. But it's probably based on the person that you've presented yourself as. 
So the only way that you're going to get there and to identify your dreams is to show up as the person you want to be. And that, like I say, is, is how you present yourself in person, how you present yourself online, how you talk about yourself when you're in performance reviews or speaking to colleagues or meeting people for the first time. And um, it's all about embodying who you really are, because the more you do that, the more you will become that. Mm-hmm. And I love that path. Now, step one, though, is figuring out what you want to do when you grow up, right? What, what is your big dream? How do we do that better? Well, that is, a, again, a really good question. There's a number of ways, and it, I think it varies depending on the age that I'm dealing with. You know, if I'm speaking to somebody younger, it is about challenging them, especially if they're at a stage where education is still on the table and further education is still on the table. And it's about challenging what you think you should be doing versus what you really want to be doing and having those uncomfortable conversations to really establish where these influences are coming from. If you're in your mid-career, let's just say 20s, early 30s, you probably don't have too many responsibilities. There is still a lot of flexibility to change your mind, try new things. And I would absolutely encourage anybody, you know, to live the life you want to lead. If you want to try something and change it, it didn't work out for you, never be afraid to quit. Never be afraid to fail. I say fail, fail hard, fail fast, fail over and over and over again, because the more you fail, it means the more you're learning, you're trying, you're experimenting. And by doing that, you know what flavors you like. You know, you can't try one packet of crisp in one flavor and know that that's the one that you like unless you try them all, right? Certainly when I was a kid. Um, I appreciate that as you're later in life, even 30s to 60s, 70s, you possibly have more responsibilities either to other people, to a family, to your own children, maybe to pets or financial commitments. And I understand that it is a little bit harder sometimes to make as many fast changes or feel as comfortable with failing as I've just described. But I would challenge you at what risk is it to stay where you are if you're unhappy or if there's a niggle in you that you want to explore? And the beauty of this day and age is that we have access to so many things. You have the internet at your fingertips. You have a world of knowledge to tap into. People love talking. People love sharing content. The value bar for content has increased exponentially. You can pretty much find anything if you just look for it on YouTube or Google it now. So have those commitments, have the nine to five, and then damn, take an hour out of Netflix, give it back to yourself and spend an hour a day exploring something that you really want to check out. Something will always capture your attention and just give it a bit of time and and figure out if that's something that you'd like to do a little bit more of. Start networking in that area. Start building a bit more awareness of what a career path might look into. Um, Start building some connections and start talking about it. You'll be surprised when you talk about something that you didn't ever notice before. You'll see it everywhere. It's like the uh, the red or the yellow car. If you, you don't look for a yellow car, but the minute you say, let's find a yellow car, you'll probably see three mm-hmm. in a row, right? Exploring your passions is a little bit like that. And you're never, ever too old or never too stuck into a commitment that it can't change. Because the only commitment that's really real in this world is the commitment you have to yourself. Everything else in this world 
can disappear, can change, can make their own decisions. Um, if COVID has taught us anything, no job is really 100% secure at the moment. So I say explore, experiment. Um, life is too short not to. And at what risk by staying in something that you think is safe or familiar, do you really want to be there for the next five, 10 years? If you have anything inside you that wants to explore something, then you owe it to yourself to do that. And I really like about what you said is, uh, you know, trying things, exploring new things, right? They say, find your passion for a reason. It's not just, hey, your passion falls on you, right? Like you have to go out and find it. And I think a lot of times we're walking around unfulfilled because we don't know what our passions are, but you have to go out and try things to figure out what that is. And you're right. You have to be willing to fail if you're going to try things. So I think that's a really important point. You also mentioned networking in the space that you're interested in. Now, just about every job I've ever gotten has been through one way or another through my network, right? Um, so talk about the importance of networking and say, I want to go into a whole new career field. I don't know anybody today. How do I go about starting to build that network? So, yeah, it's about looking for it, looking for people that you might know in it. Look for the quick wins. It might seem very daunting, but just start small. Really start with your network. Start with close friends of yours or people that you feel comfortable speaking with or colleagues. There's always a connection somewhere. And I think that's a really powerful thing that people don't leverage enough. The amount of individuals that I see going through recruitment processes and two interviews in, they then come back to me and say, oh my God, I just found out that my old colleague from two jobs ago works there and he could have referred me and we both could have got a bit of a bonus if I got the job. So always just think about who is it that you know, stay in touch with people to leverage that network means actually communicating with them. So you can either do that in two ways. You can either do that proactively by literally just messaging them on LinkedIn. If you've got their number, drop them a WhatsApp or a DM and just say, hey, it's been a while. How's things? And now is the perfect time. Everybody's been going through a transition. People have been communicating a lot more with people that they maybe didn't always make the effort to. So it's no surprise at the moment if you do get courtesy messages from people that you haven't spoken to in a long time, just to check in and say, hey, would love to catch up. We never had that coffee six months ago. We can't have it now. Let's do a Zoom. Would love to see how you're going. Um, and just be curious about other people. The best way to make friends and influence people, as the book says, is to ask questions. So get to know them. Be curious about what they're doing. Ask them questions and organic opportunities always come out of that. The other way is um, to invite people to come to you. So again, Build that personal brand, especially when it comes to your online presence with social media, LinkedIn, your profile, but not just having a good static page in terms of your profile that says, I'm open to coffees, give me a call, let's Zoom. You also want to engage with the audience. So if there's a passion or a sector, industry, career type that you'd like to go into, Start joining those groups. Start thinking about the top five employers that you think, okay, if I was going to go into tech, let's make it Google. Let's make it Facebook. I'm going to follow them. I'm going to find who those VPs are, who those chiefs of staff are. I'm going to follow them, see the content that they share and engage with that content. Start making their world your world and it will start to become more familiar and more accessible for you to tap into and so when and if opportunity knocks you're going to be more equipped to have those conversations and engage with those opportunities make their world your world i like that Absolutely. but first have you guys ever struggled to gain traction driving paid traffic while it seems like your competitors are just having a lot more success if so then you can love what i put together for you 
I mean, how about a free analysis of you versus your top three competitors to gain clarity around what is really working and what isn't and where the opportunities are? Does that sound good? Well, I've partnered with some of the best in the paid traffic business to create inflection marketing. I only partner with the best. No one has more experience. These guys have been doing it since 2001, and they've been helping companies win paid traffic across all channels, including Google, Microsoft, and Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Amazon. And here's the best part. For anyone who sets up a consultation appointment, we'll provide you with a free competitive analysis comparing your pay-per-click advertising versus your competitors, looking at things like messaging, keywords, volume, and cost per click. And there's no obligation for this. It'll give you the foundation that you need to succeed, whether you decide to work with us or not. So to learn more about how we can help you take your digital marketing game to the next level and drive a true inflection in your paid traffic, as well as get your complimentary competitive analysis, go to gregjrice.com backslash inflection. That's gregjrice.com com backslash inflection to schedule a quick discussion to see if there may be a fit here or not. So with that, let's dive into our interview. So uh, say we've gotten, uh, you know, we built the network, we found opportunities to be like, now we need to write a resume. What are the keys to writing a really, really powerful resume? Now you're Quick. really diving into these secrets, eh? So there's a couple of things. <laughs> I, I, I will say top, top two or three. How about that? Not all top your secrets. Okay. Don't make it too long. I mean, you know, Keep it sweet. There's one page, great. Two pages, perfectly acceptable. Even three, quite frankly, any more than that, they ain't going to be reading it. They might mm-hmm. glance at it. That's about it. So keep it concise. Keep it relevant and tailor it. Absolutely tailor it. What do I mean by that? I mean, regardless of who you are and what your experience and skills are, unless you speak the language of the person that is reading it, and I, I mean that literally, but I do also mean that in terms of the terminology they like to use and the the kind of words that they use that you will extract from the adverts, you'll extract from the job description, that you'll extract from the company pages. You use their language to pepper your CV with the flavor that they like so that when they see your experience, they see somebody that they can connect with and that they can relate to. People always look for similarities in other people to build a connection with them. The truth, uh, the, the truth of that is also in writing a CV. So if a job description uses words like leadership, then use leadership in your CV if you have that experience. I'm not condoning lying. I'm not condoning faking it. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is that by adapting your your language, your body language, sorry, that's an interview technique, but adapting how you present yourself to what it is that they care about, it means that you will stand out and seem more relevant to them. And that, regardless of your level of experience, I would say is absolutely key. And then third, just make it look good. And I'm not saying it has to be colorful. I'm not saying it has to be fancy fonts. In fact, a simple white page black font, no larger than 10.5, 11. I mean, Arial, Times, Times New Roman or Calibri with simple formatting, but consistent and easy to read. It does the trick for most corporate organizations, unless it's a super jazzy tech startup that cares about branding and design and marketing. I would say, keep it simple, keep it professional, keep it readable. 
and smart and that it fills a whole page or a whole two pages. It doesn't just end halfway through a page and you'll probably do all right. So now I've gotten the interview and I'm about to walk in the interview room, right? What are the top couple keys for doing a really strong interview? So communication, of course, but (laughs) what that really means is um, people make a judgment on someone in the first five seconds unconsciously. So it's about being prepared to present yourself as the person that you want to be perceived as professional, friendly, approachable. That is really critical. Good eye contact, smiling, acknowledgement, saying hello, acting confident. Those things are really critical in the first kind of entrance to any meeting with somebody. It just, you know, puts you on a puts you on a good foot to start off with. Mm-hmm. But then it's about practice. So many interviews are pretty predictable to mm-hmm. a degree. They almost always ask, tell me about yourself which is basically the, oh, so what do you do at the pub question? It's tell me about yourself as in give me the professional lowdown of your career background and why you're here today. Why are you interested in this organization? Again, it's such a standard question. Go in prepared to impress them with why you're genuinely interested. And again, if you tailored your CV, you'll already be halfway there with coming up with a decent answer because you've done the the legwork already. And then it's a case of, I think it's being really considered some of the time you will have exactly the right experience to to share with them and it will feel good and you'll feel very confident but for most people they are interviewing because they want career progression and they're looking for the next step and the next challenge and the thing that scares a lot of people is that I don't have enough experience I'm not experienced enough are they going to think I have enough of this skill or quality to demonstrate that I'm suitable for this level and the trick there is to provide an answer that says, yes, this is the skill that I have and the experience that I have. And if I was in this position, this is how I would respond. So you're really showing that you are considered and that you are genuinely seeing yourself in this position because they don't want to have to bring you there. They want somebody that's ready to take that leap. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a big thing that a lot of people don't do. They present themselves in the in the role and the level that they are instead of presenting themselves at the next level that they want to be hired for. So that is a very, it's just a bit of a change in personal mindset, personal perception and how you portray your experience. The story probably hasn't changed. It's really how you're talking about it and how you're elevating the, uh, the discussion higher. And in business, you know, that's taking it from a tactical dis- discussion to a strategic impact. It's talking about not just what you did, but the impact of that role or the impact or the ROI of that example. So when you take anything from a a tactical, practical, how-to discussion and really elevate that discussion, you're almost always taking it up to the next level, which in most cases is what people are trying to achieve, is to achieve um, a progression in their career. Now I've gotten the offer. How do I go about negotiating the salary and benefits and all those things? So... Negotiation doesn't really begin when you get the offer. Negotiation really begins way back. It begins from the moment that you realize that you want to level up. What does that really look like? What salary is it that you actually want to achieve? What goal are you aiming for? Once you've got those things in mind, you can then present yourself for opportunities that are actually going to meet that level so that you know that you're playing in the right fields. Once you've done that, 
and at the interview stage, again, you're presenting yourself for the person that you want to be hired for at the salary you want to be hired for. So you need to be talking that level of language so that when it comes to actually talking money, there aren't any surprises. When people can elevate that conversation, the salary elevates with it. But if you do get to the stage where the salary is a low ball offer, you should be in a position where you can confidently say, based on the interview questions, based on the things that we've discussed in the interview process, I've demonstrated that I can deliver on X, Y, Z. And this is the market rate that this role should be paying. I would love for you to reconsider that proposal for it to be worth, worth my time. When you know your worth, it's a no-brainer for someone else to see that. Now, there are instances, don't get me wrong, where individuals maybe have unrealistic expectations or their perspective of what the organisation can offer is very much mismatched. And it's important to have those discussions early on. It's, um, it's very rare that you will deal with a recruiter in, from an agency or with a HR team that don't know the salary bracket for a role from the outset. In fact, it doesn't happen. I think in one percent of cases it maybe happens. So there is no reason why you should be waiting until the third interview after you've been offered for that number to be a surprise. Those discussions happen way early on, especially at the senior executive level or the C-suite level, because to even get these people in the room, you need to know that the ballpark is going to be realistic. And throughout every single stage of the interview process, you're really getting that feedback as you go. And if it really does come down to it, then you can negotiate from a place of actually knowing what the market rate is, what your value is, because you're probably interviewing at a few other places. You're probably also considering your position in your own company where you currently work if you're in a job. And sometimes looking at that counter offer or promotional internal opportunities, because quite frankly, when individuals are elevating their career, that doesn't go unnoticed. And it's very common to find that you end up having internal conversations that also lead to these kind of discussions happening as well. So yeah, salary negotiation, absolutely. If it is a case where a number is now put on the table and you're literally negotiating from that point, it's a case of having a good argument, being able to um, handle any objections that you get as to the reasons why. It's having some good questions as to why they've come to that conclusion understanding what the uh, progression opportunities are and when the reviews happen and what that would realistically look like. Understanding bonus and benefits and the bigger picture of that whole salary package because it isn't just the take-home salary or the commission that you get. And then it's about you going away, weighing up those options and most importantly, being prepared to walk away from something that doesn't meet your needs. Mm -hmm. and. It's not always easy, and especially if it's taken you a while to look for a job and get to this stage, and sometimes you have commitments that you have to factor in, and all of that needs to be considered as part of the process. But the position of strength is when either you're not actively looking, and so I always say to people, if your career is on a high, that's the best time to start to start looking because... Mm -hmm you're in a position of power. I actually just did a blog about this today. You're in a position of power. You are the one that's holding the reins on the, on the negotiation. You're the one that the company wants. You don't want them. It's not always like that. Sometimes you are looking for a job because you need one, you don't have one, and you need an income. And I completely understand that. But if you can factor everything I've just said into that bigger discussion, then hopefully you're in a position of negotiating power when it comes to that stage. Uh -huh. 
And so know your worth, do your homework and get visibility early on in the conversation about uh, kind of, uh, you know, what their thoughts are as far as the range goes, make sure that you're aligned with that. So I think good stuff there. Any other kind of high level recommendations for folks out there looking, looking for that dream role? I think it really does go back to knowing what it looks like, being cognizant of the fact that a lot of organizations, they might create a job description and they have a very clear idea of some of the things that need to be achieved in a role. But the reality is that every individual comes to the table with their own with their own take on things. And very often, especially progressive organizations, will be looking at ways to take the best of the best and adapt that into their process. So you have an opportunity to influence, uh, influence roles, influence the job that you do, and take opportunities as they So I would just say, never be afraid to, to dream hard, have high ambitions, and believe that anything is possible because it really is. Very cool. Very cool. Just a couple more questions I'd like to ask everybody who I have on the show. Yeah. So the first one is just around the power of conversations. I always like to ask everybody if there's one conversation that you can point to in your life that had a really meaningful impact on the direction that you ended up taking. So, yeah, it's a really tough one, actually. One conversation. There's been... For me, life, my experience of life has always been a number of little ones where if you look for it, the opportunity is there. It's never been one aha moment. It's never been that easy. I wish it was. I wish it was just like game changer. It's done. For me, it's every single time I speak to someone, I'm interested to see what they bring to the table and it always influences me in some way. It's one of the things I love about working with people. Everybody is unique. Everybody has their own experience of life. And that curiosity about other people has always guided me in the opportunities that have come my way. So I think I'm very blessed in that way. But yeah, for me, it's it's the cur- my curiosity in other people and the opportunity I've had to have deep conversations about things that really impact people's life. Those are the conversations that have impacted mine. Yeah. And those are the kind that I find most valuable as well, where you can have really, I don't know, really deep, but true conversations with folks. You get past the facade and you talk about what's really important, but not in a sappy kind of way, right? It's just a real connection, a really good conversation. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have enough of, enough of them. So um, I always love it when I do get to have them. And actually, it reminds me of the last time I saw you in person. I think the last conversation we actually had was one of those conversations. So there you go. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, no, I, I definitely in, enjoyed that. So cool. Um, second question, thinking about all of the things that you've accomplished so far, if you could have one communication skill in more abundance, what would that be? This is an interesting one for me. It would be the ability to influence, which is ironic because I think the nature of my job as a career coach is pure influence because people are coming to me to be influenced they want to be persuaded that they that what anything is possible um, and they want to know how to get there do I see that quality in myself I think if I ever think I've nailed that quality then I'd be stagnant in who I am as a coach it's something that I will constantly be developing and growing so that I can hopefully do a good job for people but that's something that I think I have but I would love to get better at yeah Definitely a powerful tool to have in your toolbox Um, and something I think we'd all like to be a little bit better at as well. Um, And then last question, who's the best communicator that you know, either know of or know personally? And why do you say that about them? 
So it's actually the VP of L&D in, in a company I work for. She trained me in sales um, mm-hmm. and has this quality. And I, as I'm trying to articulate this, I'm doing a terrible job of it. But <laughs> she is somebody that says exactly what she means in the most concise way with no hesitation every single time. I think it's what makes her so effective in her role. And it was something that I noticed off the bat and other people noticed about her. And it was a quality that I wanted to try and bring into the conversations that I have with people. She is incredibly successful, incredibly impressive, a strong, but very, um, very inspiring woman. She doesn't know these, uh, I think, these things about her. Um, I suspect you might know who I'm actually referring to. But um, yeah, she's probably one of the most impressive women leaders that I've ever had the joy of being trained by. Um, and I really would love to be as successful as her one day. Yeah, you know, I definitely know who you talk about. I definitely agree. She's a tremendous communicator, tremendous leader. And we've actually interviewed her for the show as well. So, oh, right. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so from that perspective, you guys are on par, right? You're moving in that direction. So that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but no, she was great. And um, I definitely agree with that. So final question for you. Where can folks find you? Where can they learn more about what you're doing and how they can work with you? Yeah, so uh, find me on my website, cvsecrets.co.uk or on Instagram, cv.secrets. Uh, just drop me a DM or email me at uh, cvsecrets at hotmail.com. And are you working with folks internationally or are you specifically kind of focused in the UK area? Yeah, no, I've had clients in California, New Zealand, South Africa and London. So yeah, you could definitely send them internationally. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. So don't hesitate to reach out even if you're not in the UK. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the time. I thought it was a great conversation, um, ton of value. So I really appreciate it. And I think a lot of folks out there are armed now to be able to go get the opportunity of their dreams, hopefully. Hopefully. So thank, thank you for your time. Sure. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been great. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.